Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. Welcome to Episode 32 with Deb Brandon, Florence Reese Kraut, Lauren Martin, and Barbara Sapienza. Barbara's having a little bit of technical difficulty, so hopefully she will be joining us later in the episode because we certainly want to be talking about her book as well as these amazing authors. Here on episode 32, we are going to be joined by these authors, and they're going to take us on some amazing journeys as poets, memoirists, and novelists. We're going to travel to some places of experiencing deep loss and pain, from those who talk to the dead and write amazing poetry, to suspenseful family pre-World War II sagas, and to the importance of stubbornness and acceptance, and learning that with every loss, there's also a gain. When Barbara joins us, we'll be talking about magical realism as it meets everyday life. I want to thank everybody who's joining us here live. Please feel free to ask questions. Join us in the chat, and Welcome to Launchpad, each of you. Um, I would just like to say, Deb Brandon has written an amazing book, but my brain had other ideas. Florence Reese Kraut with Sweet Corner Dreams, Lauren Martin with a book of poetry, Night of the Hawk, and Barb Sapienza with The Girl in the White Cloak. Welcome to each and every one of you on behalf of Mary Helen Sheriff, the author, marketing coach, and myself. Good, morning, good day, good day, good day. Hello, hello. Hi, thank you. Let's start with Deb Brandon. Tell us about, but my brain had other ideas, a memoir of recovery from brain injury. Hi, uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, I always enjoy talking about my story anyway. It's almost like verbal diarrhea. Um, okay, so I have uh, a rare disease where I have uh, clusters of malformed blood vessels in my brain and they're thin-walled and can bleed. Well, at least two of mine bled and uh, the the only known treatment to prevent future bleeds is to remove the bleeders surgically. So long saga and all that, I ended up having surgery, actually three surgeries. And when I came out, when I, when I was released from hospital, I was really lost. The first two surgeries were planned. The third one was an emergency and that broke me and I felt really lost. And I had no idea where to begin uh, my recovery, join, rejoining humanity, all that stuff. And I looked up, I did a lot of research looking for books and websites that would help me. And I really didn't feel, I didn't find anything that spoke to me. So I figured, okay, I'll write my own book and hopefully it would help me along the way as I bumbled along. And at the same, I quickly realized that through my own story, I might be helping other brain injury survivors. And again, as time wore on, I realized that there's a need to raise awareness because a lot of people don't know about brain injury. In fact, I didn't know much about it before it happened to me. Um, so at first I was writing a journal type manuscript 
But once I realized that I wanted to reach a broader audience, even though people were telling me, oh, you're a great writer, I knew that I wasn't. I was okay. So I, because of the brain injury and my deficits, I couldn't uh, go to workshops or anything like that. So I ended up hiring um, a writing coach who became a very good friend. And more and, on that, excuse me, and more on okay. your writing journey in just a bit. I want to make sure we get all of our authors in. Florence okay. Reese Kraut, you talk about a very interesting family saga in your book, Street Corner Dreams. Tell us a bit about it. So <clears throat> Street Corner Dreams is my second historical novel. And like my first one, How to Make a Life, it's a family story about an immigrant family in Brooklyn in the tumultuous years between World War One and Two. And in Street Corner Dreams, we follow the 18-year-old Golda, who disembarks from the ship, carrying her sister's infant son, who was born mid-journey. Imagine her anxiety and heartache as she waits for her brother-in-law, Ben, to whom she has to deliver the news of, that his wife didn't survive. What is she going to do with baby Morty, this motherless infant? And if she cares for him, and what becomes of her own hopes and dreams for an independent life. So Brooklyn in 1914, the Great War is raging in Europe, the streets are teeming with immigrants from Eastern Europe, the poorest of the poor, and making a life is not easy. In the last year of the war, the great Spanish flu epidemic, much like our pandemic, rages through the tenements, killing millions and profoundly touching Golda and her family. Then comes prohibition, which made alcohol illegal and turned the gangs on the street into organized crime. And not to mention how it tempted the poverty-stricken uh, boys and men with easy money. So by the time the depression came, the poor immigrant families were suffering more and more, and Golda and Ben are beaten to the ground. The book follows Golda, Ben, Morty, and later the young Sylvia, as they're faced with difficulties, as they try to survive and thrive. And when a wrong decision forces Morty to seek help from a gangster friend, does it put him on a threatening, life-altering path? This is a suspenseful family saga, a love story, and a gangster tale. And it explores this question, how much do we owe the family that has sacrificed for us and does that debt outweigh our own hopes and dreams for a better life? Sounds amazing. I love historical fiction. And we are joined by many people here on uh, Bookish Road Trip. And of course, we air later on Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. We're being joined from Virginia and Pennsylvania and Vermont and California. So welcome to all of our viewers. Uh, and please feel free to ask questions. One of our um, viewers has said that your first book was absolutely excellent. So I'm glad Thank that we you. have some followers as well. Lauren Martin, for a very different kind of book, I'm fascinated to talk to you about Night of the Hawk. Tell us about it. Well, there's the book. Um, thank you so much, Grace, for having me. And I feel honored to be with these other authors who are so interesting and experienced. Um, I, it's funny, I really struggled with this question, even though I knew it was coming. <laughs> because I think poetry like memoir has one character and one character arc, but many different subjects. So one of the things I love about poetry is that it's subjective both to the author and to the reader based on whatever that reader interprets from the nuance of the poems. 
But for me, and this book covers my experience with illness, including a spinal cord injury, um, my experience as a seer or medium in a world that's not terribly hospitable to that, my love of nature as represented through the Orisha, which are the Yoruba-based um, representations of God and nature, love, loss, and misogyny in our current world and as a woman aging in our culture. You have so many different themes there that are actually even echoed, I think, in the work of our other authors. Not able to join us, hopefully, yet, is Barbara Sapienza. She's written a book called The Girl in the White Cape. It's a novel which is focused on magical realism. Um, she talks about the practical concerns of everyday life and how those things come together. And there's some amazing transformative experiences in her world. And similar to a little bit of what Florence says, um, her characters have to find their own magic and figure out whether they're going to save each other. And it looks like Barbara is actually joining us just in time. Yay. Yay, Barbara. Yay. We are That's so right. glad you were able to join us. You're just in time. We are um, live on Bookish Road Trip, and we have people who are viewing us and just giving you a moment to get settled in with us. Um, I had just introduced your book briefly, but I'm sure you can do it much better. Barbara Sapienza and the Girl in the White Cape. Tell us about it. Thank you so much for your patience. I wrote about the girl in the white cape after I read um, a Jungian analysis of um, a Russian fairy tale. And I was so enamored with the idea that she had a doll that she kept in her pocket that she could ask for help. And then I thought, well, I wonder if we all have a doll that we keep in our pocket that we go to when we're in these unknown circumstances. And um, the way I conceive of the doll is as feminine intuition that both men and women have access to. So I started to write a modern day fairy tale using the old fairy tale and um, I'll stop there. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad you joined us. It sounds like a fascinating work. And again, um, to our listeners, thank you for being with us. And um, I think, Lauren, I'm going to go back to you. You carry such a broad range of topics in your collection of poems. How do you decide on that? How does the collection come together, if you will? Um, wow, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I think it so I I'd always written poetry and then I I started writing poetry very very young and then I had this kind of arduous shamanic journey and was um in you know never able to compile a book and then got injured and was bedridden um for eight years and so wow. in that period yeah um and so i have a lot of empathy for you deb um and in that period i was you know writing and sort of kind of tried to arc experiences that you know touched on the experience of of all of those things of being kind of a seer person being a person who in some ways has felt isolated because of my shamanism anyway um and then getting injured was an additional isolation so um you know i i really am fascinated by the stories of difference and similarity you know kind of find i really feel that 
fundamentally in spite of, we all feel marginalized in different ways. And even though we're very, very different, we are so similar. So I, I wanted to create a collection that kind of reflected that arc in various forms. Excellent. Deb, May I ask a question? Yes, please. Why Yoruba? Um, you, what is Yoruba? Where does the Yoruba come into it? Yeah. Um, I, in this shamanic journey, I ended up in it. I'm a third year practitioner of, of Ifa, which is the Yoruba tradition out of West Africa. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. And, and there aren't a lot of women that write about Ifa. So, yeah. yeah. Fascinating. I love learning new things and I learned so much through Launchpad. Deb, let's go back to you since we're on a theme of, uh, bodily injury, even though yours was, um, not an accident it was imposed by your medical condition um your story is very much about that battle as lauren did to come back to a full life would you talk a little bit more about that and some of the lessons learned uh, some of the lessons learned well the obvious one is that you never fully recover from a severe brain injury um but you know i can't walk heel to toe uh when i'm tired I slur my speech. I do a lot of repetition. In fact, when I write, I do a lot of repetition. So I have to edit those out. And it sometimes I can't do it myself because I'm I don't see it. Mm. Um, oh, the other thing I need to warn you of is I will lose track at various points and forget what I've said. So I've lost track. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's quite all right. My my question was that talking about the struggle to come back and um, oh, some of the lessons yeah. learned, but you also put us on a good track of editing, which I'm sure all of us could address as well. Um, the struggle, the, it was rough. The first two years were like a nightmare. Um, because, I mean, at this point, I'm 15 or 16 years post surgeries and there's no comparison. I there's none of that fogginess. I worked really hard to get back to teaching. Uh, I, I'm a math, well, emeritus math professor, and I had to relearn a lot of math in order to continue teaching. So I was reading uh, from high school algebra books to, well, calculus books, books which, which was where I was hoping to get back to anything more advanced than that, I was afraid to go. I was afraid to figure out just how bad the damage was. Mm. So I never, so I stuck with calculus for humanities students. So it was a and fight. Fear, dri fear drives us in many ways. Florence, in your book, you, your main character is there. She is on the shores. Talk a little bit more about that fear and um, how, you know, you're also an author at a later age. So let's talk yes, about both of those because that's that's a that's a scary place to be sometimes as well. It is. This was my second novel, so I wasn't quite so scared. Um, but um, the Dalda comes uh, alone. Uh, she comes with her sister, who's pregnant, but uh, her sister goes into labor and unfortunately has a terrible time on the ship, and she dies. And this puts Golda in a very difficult position. Uh, she's fled Europe because she wants to be independent. Oddly enough, her father had wanted to marry her off to a widower with two children. And she had said she would not do that. So she flees to the United States and 
of course, is faced with a similar situation. Um, the life in the, it was very important to me to show how families who come struggle with all of the issues of immigrants today. It's really the same kind of uh, battles, language, uh, jobs, finding enough money, learning the new culture and uh, getting friends. It's, it's, you know, and so we follow the family and everything that happens during those years impacts them greatly. Um, I'm not gonna tell too much about it because it is a suspenseful story and a love story, um, two love stories, in fact. Yeah. And uh, so I'd like people to read it and sort of uh, take uh, heart from that. Wonderful, May Barbara, it looked like you had a comment and then yes. let's go to you. I wanted to say that in all of our books today, there's a, there's a journey. And, yeah. and I've, I've looked at my novel after I wrote it as a heroine's journey. And I see that in each of your stories. Yeah. Yeah. That same thread of this beginning of separation and loss, separation from some ordinary ah. way of living, yeah. mm -hmm. with whether it was because of brain injury or um, an accident, and then there's this this trial, this trial, these obstacles, these obstacles that each of our work tries to manage until we become transformed again or more whole. So I love that about our work. Yes, the, 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 the hero's the hero's journey. Is, yes, in this uh, case, the yes, heroine. The heroine's yes, journey. Right. Yeah. 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 Amazing I resilience know. of of people is profound. Right. Yeah. Well, um, Go ahead, Florence. Go ahead, where, was this a particular this was this a particular interest of yours? What kind of research was involved? Is it based a on a lot? <laughs> a lot of research uh, because when you are talking about in historical novels. You've got to know what's going right. on in the yeah. world because it impacts your characters. So I did a lot of research. It was my second historical novel. My first took place over 100 years, some of which I lived through. So I didn't have to do as much research. But it, research is one of the things I love about historical novels because you learn so much. Um, and my particular interest, though, is family and what happens in families when one person makes a decision and how it impacts everybody, including generations that come after. That's one of my big themes yes. in my novels. And, and you had said um, in your intro, a lot of it had to do with how much do you owe family and how much do you owe yourself. Right. And in Barbara, right. in Barbara, in your novel, you talk about the idea of, you know, the, the magic that's within each of us, if you will, and the ability to save each other. Would you expound on that? Yes, I, I think it has to do with um, this idea that um, we have this deep knowing and it gets covered up somehow. And when we're in sync, and, and, and Jung calls it synchronicity, when we're in sync and present and listening and open, we have this receptivity that feels like magic. It's kind of like... Um, I was reviewing your show, Grace, and I was looking at some people. But just before doing that, I signed up for a class <clears throat> at San Miguel, and it was with a woman named Judy Reeves. And then uh -huh. I opened your, um, 
your your reviews of your last one and there she was and I thought wow. that's synchronicity how did that happen and it's mm-hmm. kind of like a magical thing that I think we get in touch with sometimes and it has to do with this deep this deep feminine sacredness that we, we carry well, and, and that I just is the perfect segue to Lauren. So, Lauren, talk about being receptive and listening, um, not only to each other, but to other people. my watch. <laughs> Thanks for well. handling that for us, Florence. So, Lauren, I, I think that, you know, you also talked about being marginalized by some of the um, shama- shamanic, sh- shamanic Shaman. work. That Shamanistic. Sham- Shamanistic yeah. work. So, Talk a little bit about being open to that and how that even opened for you as an individual. I, I was born seeing ghosts and, and interacting with the dead. And there wasn't really a lot of resource for that. I, I grew up in a very like intellectual family. So that was kind of not understood. And I had negative manifestations of it that worsened over time um and they were significant and metaphysical and observable to you would have seen them they were tangible um and that just started me on this journey you know i kind of began with buddhism i went through every religion my mother is really an adventurer and she and my father also is very deep and deeply interested in spirituality meditation so they encouraged me to look because they saw what was going on. Um, and I ended up just uh, ultimately ended, I kept hearing you need to be at the root, the root, the root. And Ifa is considered the root of all religions. So I really think that, you know, it's all kind of one, you know, to me, like God or whatever the divine is to you has, you know, communicated in multiple different ways to multiple different people all saying the same thing. So for me, I needed this very deep shamanistic path and I ended up in, in West Africa. Wow. Wow. That is fascinating. And amazing. I hope you'll write your memoir someday. <laughs> I did. I'm trying to get it published. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it in the form of poetry? The memoir? The memoir? It, it's not. And actually, um, I just passed it off to She Writes and one of the pieces of feedback was maybe it could be a little more poetic. So um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. So I've got to kind of relook at it now. Well, I want to talk a little bit about um, each of your lines of work and how it influenced your writing. I have to say I was very impressed, if not intimidated, that um, Deb Brandon has a PhD in mathematics. Florence, you're a social worker. Barbara, you're a clinical psychologist. Lauren, you do psychotherapy. So let's let's just go around the room and find out how your particular career choices have influenced your writing path. Uh, Let's start with you, Deb. It's a tough question. Uh, if anything, I feel like it was the ante was the, I'm, I'm often, I enjoy challenges. And I think, I think it was more stepping away from that. And also during the, uh, with the brain injury, my sequential thinking was damaged. So my, I used to be a predominantly linear thinker but my brain re- rewired and I think in a variety of ways, which is really cool mm-hmm. to see the bigger picture. Uh, and I think 
in that form it it add it let allowed me to tap into creativity i mean it was there at various points in different forms including in mathematics uh mathematicians there isn't a creative uh side to it but once i could tap into that and that helped too uh in terms of the math as i said it was it was more the way of thinking it was it was a part of the bigger picture in the sense of thinking linearly versus other ways that was also a big part of it and it's a big part of my next uh, memoir about living with brain injury and how it changed the percep my perception of the world Oh, good. I'm mm -hmm. glad that there's another book there. And I and I like that, uh, the idea of being able to um, do that linear and creative balance. So um, and thank you for sharing that with us. Florence, uh, yes. social worker. Right. Well, um, I was, I became a social worker because of my interest in people and the way people would come to me with their stories and their questions and ask for all kinds of help. So I sort of was naturally a counselor and I became a trained uh, clinician and worked really with families and couples. And through the almost 30 years that I was uh, engaged in social work, I learned so much about how your place in the family, how the people in the family, how the generations before you and after you impact you and I, it, it fell right in with my life experience, which was growing up in a huge family. Uh, and that's why I, both of my novels are really family sagas. So um, I used a lot of my, um, my social work and the psychological information that I had in both books. Perfect. Uh, I have a master's in counseling, so I was particularly okay, interested so. to have, uh, <laughs> and as I fessed up to Deb in the green room, I, math was never my strong suit. So Lauren, uh, psychotherapist, um, psychoanalyst, yeah, psychoanalyst. Yeah. Tell us. Um, I, I actually think who I am informs my, my clinical work more than the other way around in that, um, because I am a seer once people my patients are getting more than they bargained for and that once they schedule with me i start i usually dream about them before they come i feel what's happening with them i hold them in a very deep way and i do believe that you know the unconscious is a spiritual tool and it's a language that we're all communicating with all the time and we're resonating with each other without realizing that so I think there's a, a really fine line between spirituality and the unconscious and, and the way that they weave together. I, I saw you smile when Barbara talked about Carl Jung, and I think all of us who have looked at Jung's work just immediately went to the collective unconscious. And yeah. I, I can see the cover of the book on dreams. So I, I yeah. love that there's some uh, synergy there as well. Barbara, tell us about how your work has influenced your writing. Barbara? Well, I think that I would, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Um, oh, now you're on mute. You, you, Barbara, you're now on mute. You were fine before. If you could unmute. Okay. There you go. You're back with I'm us. I'm muted. Welcome back. Okay. 
But I, what I was going to say is Gloria and George and Delicato, my Italian parents, um, I, I relate with your story of the, the passing of the grandparents. I think they were my greatest teachers. And I like what everyone said about, um, you know, this, this unconscious thing and the way we, um, we listen to people and we meld with them in a certain way and through our unconscious. And I think my greatest thing and the greatest privilege was to, is to sit in a room with someone and see who they are. And they want to show me deeply who they are. And I want to help them be all that they can be. And so um, when I when I write, I'm really looking at the person and what their gifts are. What's their purpose in the life? You know, what are you here for? What do you have to give? And I help to find that and bring it out in my characters, I think. I hope. <laughs> oh, I love that answer. Amazingly, we are almost out of time here on episode 32 of Launchpad. So I want to thank Deb Brandon uh, with her book, But My Brain Had Other Ideas, a memoir of recovery from brain injury and a new book coming out, which will be um, more of um, uh, what she's like many, many years later for the struggle. Florence Reese Kraut with Street Corner Dreams, her second novel. Uh, Florence, is there a third in the works? Yes, there is. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Also, historical novel. Yes. Awesome. That's about all I'll say. <laughs> That's okay. Lauren Martin with Night of the Hawk. Beautiful cover. Um, a, a genre I don't often get to host. So thank you for being with us. And good luck you. with your memoir coming out. Hopefully, we thank will you. all know more about that. And last but not least, Barbara Sapienza. I am so glad you could join us here at the launch pad. Oh with the girl in the white cape. There it is. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you for all of our listeners. Thanks so much for being here on the launch pad. We really appreciate you you being here. Thank you. Take care, everyone. (laughs) Bye. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.